Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Monday. It is May 29th, 2017, and it is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. And we would appreciate if everybody just presses star one to mute the phone so we can have a nice, quiet line. Today we're reading from Chapter 4, We Agnostics, and we're going to be on page 47. And we're reading and commenting on the first three paragraphs of that page. Today's readers will be Anne-Marie M. for the 12 Steps, Tenzin P. for the 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text this morning will be Lisa B., Craig F., and Lisa H. Now, the share ID for yesterday, which was Sunday, May 28, 2017, for our 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time Special Edition meeting is 9985. That's 9985. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study meeting, our message is, that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anne-Marie M. to please read OA's 12 steps. Anne-Marie, star one, please, to unmute. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Janice. This is Melanie. Do you want me to do that for you? Please do. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 
Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to the compulsive overeater and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. And thank you so much, Melanie C., for stepping up. I will now ask Tenzin P. to please read OA's 12 Traditions. Star 1 to unmute, Tenzin. Hi, this is Ian. Go ahead. We're going to have Tenzin P. read the 12 Traditions (laughs) at this time. That's okay. Okay. Gracefully recovering uh, compulsive overreader, Tenzin P. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Or each group should be autonomous except in manner, matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions ever reminding us to place principles of four personalities. Thank you very much. I pass. And thank you, Tenzin P. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. 
Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. Not to share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book, and we're on page 47. And I will now ask Lisa B. to please begin reading. Good morning. This is Lisa B., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. When, therefore, we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. This applies, too, to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. Afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth. But if we wish to grow, we had to begin somewhere, so we used our own conception, however limited it was. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe, that there is a power greater than myself? As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically emphatically ensure him that he is on his way. It has been repeatedly proven among us that Upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. That was great news to us, for we had assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith which seemed difficult to believe. When people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believed. But I cannot accept as surely true that many the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. Well, there is so much in these paragraphs. Um, In the first paragraph that I read, uh, what jumps out for me is prejudice of the use of spiritual terms. You know, and this book is really taking it down to a baby step, a very beginning. And I needed to start at a beginning, not in the middle, you know, not where I was. When I listened to all of you on the phone meeting, um, I could tell that you were truly on a path that was going somewhere. And I had to admit that I was not going anywhere. Um, so I think, you know, the start for me was listening to your voices and I could hear the God of my understanding, you know, speaking through the voices. Um, that set-aside prayer that I began to hear people share on, you know, um, really started to work for me as I prayed that. And I I think for me, the most important thing in this first paragraph is making a start in the beginning, not in the middle where I was, but being willing to set aside prejudice that I had on the use of these spiritual terms. And many different spiritual terms are used, like in Bill's story, creative intelligence. Um, 
you know, universal power. Those were really comforting to me. And then in the second paragraph, that question is just so powerful, and I need to apply that every day in my life, all the time. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? And it's not a human power. It often does come through human in the voices that I hear on this phone line, in co-fellows, in sponsees, um, in, in many people, but it is a higher power that is not in a, in a human form. Um, and it can be principles. It could be many different things. And when I look up that word cornerstone, that is a really important word. It says um, an important quality or feature on which a particular thing depends or is based. It's a bedrock, a base, a backbone, a centerpiece, a core. You know, and, and the other thing that jumps out for me um, is with this question, is this an invitation to open my heart and mind to allow a new idea that wasn't there before, to accept this invitation as a, of a power greater than myself that will bring me freedom and hope? You know, and the 12th step tells me a spiritual awakening is what is needed. Um, that's what doctor's opinion tells me. It's mentioned all through the book that this spiritual awakening is what's needed. So this is the very start of a spiritual atmosphere. It's a beginning. It's a baby step. And um, let's see, what else? Um, in that third paragraph, it is great news for me. Um, I can begin to pray to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, um, a mind that is open and a heart to receive. That's it. That's all I needed to do is just be willing to believe. And, you know, my sponsor, who I'm so grateful for, I began to see that she's not that different from me in so many ways that she shared about the pain and the brokenness she had with this disease. And now with the hope and the recovered state that she's in, I began to see that if I do what she did, I can have what she has. And that's been my experience. It's my own understanding of a higher power. So with that, I pass. Star 1, Janice. That. Um, we are now on page 47. We're going to comment on the first three paragraphs. Who would like to begin? Madam. Michael H. Elizabeth uh, D. I, 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 hear, I hear Madam. And then who else? Michael H. <laughs> Michael H. Elizabeth D. That's who I heard. I heard Michael C. I heard Holland G. I heard Elizabeth Cynthia. D. And, and then I heard Elizabeth. Was it Cynthia C? Yes. Okay. And Elizabeth whom? D. D. All right. We have those five for now. That's how I do it. All right. Matt M., you're up now. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, Sue. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., composed over Eater from New Jersey. You know, reading these paragraphs, uh, look at reading about prejudice, you know, any prejudice you may have against spiritual purgatory from and honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. I went on this theme that deals with this phone meeting that deals with unconventional spirituality. Anybody's available, atheists, agnostics, believers and non-believers. And I was the speaker getter for this meeting, and I booked some speak. I booked a speaker who was very devout Christian. I thought it would be a nice little, nice little change for the meeting, you know, so they could share it. She shared her story. And all of a sudden, this one gentleman, I, I, I had to pray for him afterwards, a very sick individual. He got an attitude because she used the word Christ a couple times. And I'm like, she wasn't talking about you have to believe, you should believe. She's only talking about her experience, strength, and hope that she believes in. This man jumped out of his throat. And I thought, and then afterwards, we talked about it, and she said, 
not that meeting is really sick. And I said, yeah, that's why I'm going on it because I want to be a, a beacon of hope. And I stopped going to that meeting because I didn't I had a bad taste in my mouth. I originally started going back to it because I thought that I need to have somebody who's working towards recovery and need, and, and to be a service to me. And I, that's the reason I, I started going back to it. I realized, you know, I have to say the sick man's prayer because some people, they have such an antithesis. They have such a prejudice against any spiritual terms. And I used to be that way as well. And I, every time someone mentioned the word God, I want to throw the big book in the garbage. Or I want to immediately disconnect from the meeting, the phone meeting that was on, because I was hearing God, 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 God. And I realized I don't have to believe in God to be in this program. I just have to be willing to believe that I have a power greater than myself. There is a God. There, I have one, and it's not me. You know, and um, I'm just grateful that I, I don't have to be spiritually blocked like I was or spiritually disabled like I was, you know. I'm just grateful just for today I had the willingness to work towards a relationship with a higher power of my own understanding. And I'm just grateful the meeting is here today and we're glad we're going through this chapter. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. And thank you, Matt M. Okay, uh, we have Michael H., please. It's your turn. Good Michael? morning. This is Michael H. Mavi Heard. You may. Yes, you are. Awesome. Thank you, Janice, for your service on this great Memorial Day. This is Michael H. Uh, checking in from the great state of Illinois. I just wanted to plug into the power of the pages this morning, the power of this program. Um, so it says, don't let any prejudice. I just want to hone in on this sentence. You may have against spiritual terms to deter you from honestly. I had to be very, very honest at this point in in program when I started working the steps. I had to be very honest asking myself what they mean to me, what these spiritual terms mean to me. In 2003, I had a a great religious experience, uh, much because of the calamity in my life because of this disease or surrounding this disease. And I didn't I was trying to fix it, and I had this great spiritual, this great spiritual, really a religious experience. Um, and I thought for sure that I was cured because of that. And I didn't know at the time that I was a drug addict, and my and my and my drug was was clearly food and uh, something I never expected happened when I came into the rooms when I started working with a a big book sponsor. I I ended up doing this wonderful set-aside prayer. I set aside literally everything, and that was difficult, actually. It was very, very difficult to do, but I set aside everything I knew about this, about this, really this great Savior that I had come to know and love, and I had to set that aside, and I said, you know, I'll do this just briefly just to get through this part and, and see what happens, and my conception of my higher power changed. It changed from that distant savior whom I love to a power that directs my life every day that I walk with um, many, many times a day. And and that is what really helped me with my conscious relations with God to become unblocked from the higher power that has, has really um, saved my life and changed everything, everything in my life from this addiction to my relationships and all the promises. And with that, I will pass. And thank you so much, Michael H. Okay, Holland G., it is your turn. Good morning to you. 
Thank you very much, Janice, and I want to thank everybody on Team Monday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I came into this program very, very angry at God. My life was in a shambles. My life was not what I thought it was going to be nor what I expected it to be at any juncture. And it seemed to me that if I didn't adhere to strict obediences of the religion of my childhood, that I was amputated from any chance of having any relationship with God. So I had just given up on it years ago. What I had to understand is that this is a spiritual program. There's no spiritual part of the program. It is a spiritual program. What this program rests upon is the acceptance for me of the powerless condition of mind and body and that I will never, ever awaken on a day in this, on this earth where I am able to control my intake of food on my own unaided willpower. What did Ebby bring Bill? Ebby brought Bill the idea that he was sober because of a power greater than himself. What did the Oxford group teach? What was the Oxford group? The Oxford group groupers were people practicing first uh, century Christianity, and they worked a six-step spiritual program which enabled some of the drunks among them to stay sober. The Oxford group was not, not concerned with alcoholism at all, addiction at all. But the bottom line to this whole thing is this. Do I now believe... Or am I even willing to believe that there is a power, capitalized, greater than myself? Now, if I am going to go into this with the belief that I am the alpha and the omega, that I am the power of the universe, I am not going to recover. If I have, for me, an adversarial God that's out to get me, I'm not going to recover. I need a God who is concerned with me, who loves me, who is going to help me and understand that I am terminally human. And in order to do that, I have to devise a description of that God that works for me, and that is where I lacked for so long. I had a description of a God that was an adversary to me. Now I have a God that is my, my friend who loves me, who is more powerful than me. And if he was small enough for me to understand, he wouldn't be big enough to solve my problems. I do not understand everything about God, nor will I ever. But as soon as a man can say he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically ensure him that he is on his way. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. And then we're, at some point, I believe, we're going to read Appendix 2. I'm out of time. With that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. And thank you very much, Harlan G. Okay, Cynthia C., it's your turn. This is Cynthia C., compulsive overeater and food addict. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service, and thank you for everybody for sharing. Um, you know, if it were my will this morning, I would have slept in very late, but um, I woke up very early, and I'm on the meeting, so that's definitely not my will. So I'm meant to be here, and I'm definitely meant to hear what everybody's saying. 
Um, when I was brought up with my conception as God, I was brought up with a very punishing God, with a very punishing higher power. Um, you know, my mother would say things like, you know, if something bad would happen, God's punishing you because of what I did to her or something. Um, and just my conception was of a punishing, angry, just judgmental God. And when I started to come into the rooms many years ago, I, I couldn't really, I, I couldn't figure it out. How do I take this this sort of angry old man, sort of judgmental, and make that into something that helps me to stay abstinent and sober? Um, and I couldn't really figure it out. And but then, but I think the key is in here. Like, you know, am I even willing to believe that willingness to be willing? And I people. You know, my sponsors or people would suggest just pray for the willingness to be willing, just to pray for the willingness to be willing. And and that to me was key, that I didn't need to know everything. I didn't have to have a conception, that I just needed to be willing to open up my belief system. I needed to be willing that maybe I didn't know everything and I couldn't solve everything and that there were others out there, you know, who were open and I could be open too and I could have recovery. Um, and I think one of the best suggestions that I ever got was to write a wanted ad for God, uh, for my higher power. Um, you know, and writing that wanted ad to save everything that I wanted in my higher power and to pray for that. And it was amazing the gifts that have come with that, that there are gifts and that it and that I did grow and I have changed and to know that there's a higher power. And if I turn to my higher power, it's my being willing to open myself up to my higher power, my higher power is always there. I just shut myself off at times. This was just such a good reminder to me because I had something that came up last night that um, made me extremely agitated and it was right before I was going to sleep and I didn't really pray on it and I didn't sleep well last night and I woke up very upset this morning. And what I needed to hear in the meeting this morning was, you know, being praying for the willingness to be willing, just to open myself up that just because I have a prejudice that something happens in one way doesn't mean it does. And that I have a higher power out there who will protect me and care for me. So thank you. I pass. And thank you. Cynthia C. Elizabeth D. It's your turn. Elizabeth D. Press star one to one. Can I be heard? Yes. Can I be heard? Uh, Now Um, you can. Thank you. My name is Elizabeth D. and I'm recovered uh, compulsive overeater in the Boston area. Um, these chapters, this, this entire chapter means um, so much to me. Um, I've been in the fellowship for 30 years. Uh, the first 10 years, um, uh, my capacity for self-delusion was such that I could say I could go to meetings and, and identify and yet, you know, I'm not as bad as you people. So basically, I took to heart the phrase that I heard all the time, which was, take what you want and leave the rest. And that's what I did. At the same time, and this relates to the chapter, I was living a deep and very active religious life in a denomination. And um, yet, in those 10 years of going in and out of the rooms and identifying and in denial, I gained 100 pounds. Um, despite having a very active religious life. Um, so what happened was I found my way to a, a different kind of OA that focuses on abstinence and the tools as the goal. Um, and I went to meetings for about for uh, about six, eight years. 
Um, and I started working the steps using a variety of literature, uh, OA with reference to the big book. And um, I did one class of this after another, and each class took about a year. And I did have a spiritual awakening, awakening and my recovery was so much more effective and I was keeping 120 pounds off my body. Um, and um, that religious experience really complement that exp- spiritual experience really complemented my religious life. Um, after that, um, I had so, uh, my life had gotten so much better, better and so much stronger and I had so much more discipline in my life. And um, that at age 46, I decided to become a single adoptive mom. Um, and that began a period of de- 10 years of in and out of relapse. Um, and the reason for that is because I kept using the, the program that was focused on abstinence. And I thought that I was too busy to um, work the steps. Um, and I didn't think that it was really for me. So, um, That led in, you know, my capacity for self-deception is just enormous. And I could go to these OA meetings that I was going to and hear people staying abstinent. And I couldn't stay abstinent. I was always picking up. It wasn't until 2015 when I found these rooms that I began to understand what was missing in my program. And they're right here in the chapter. It says here in the uh, on the bottom um, that that was great news for us for we had assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith which seemed difficult to believe what was it that I found difficult to believe what I found difficult to believe despite the fact that I am a lifelong Episcopalian and deeply devoted to that denomination what I found difficult to believe was that God cared about this problem I had with eating. This was the one area where I was going to keep God out. Um, And this is where I had to have my spiritual awakening. I learned in the course of doing these steps with a recovered guide that I was as good as an, I was an agnostic when it came to this disease. Yes, God was in everything else that I had in my life, but not this. And so what I had to come to was a new understanding of my higher power and a deep understanding that that higher power could remove my um, obsession with food, remove this food addiction. And that has happened for me. And what has happened in the bargain is the most, thank you, most amazing spiritual awakening I've ever had that is infusing my life with joy and freedom and peace. I was never asking God for enough. That was my problem. And now today, by working these tools every single day, I'm asking God, not only for a thin body and a disciplined life, but also for serenity. And that is what I found. And I'm grateful. Thank you for letting me share. And I pass. Okay. Thank you. Um, whom else would like to share? On page 47. Charles H. Charles H. This is Larry. Charles H. I heard Vasa O. And I heard Larry K. Who else? Anybody else? Monica T. Monica, Monica T. Anybody else? All right, let's go. Charles, you're up. Good morning to you. Thank you, Janice. Go ahead, Charles. All right. Thank. I just wanted to have some phonetic with Um, Charles (laughs) H. A recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I want to thank 
thank my higher power, who I choose to call God, for waking me up. I I am not um, mad that they utilize the word God over 500 times in this special book that changed my life. Um, the, to me, these 12 sentences, uh, these t- 12 proposals really came into my life, you know, over a period of time, right? Um, oof, you know, uh, I don't understand God, but I stand under God. As soon as I come make this conclusion in my mind. That's all it is. It ain't all this, you know, signing a contract, and it ain't all this. It ain't all that. It really ain't that much. It's like, yo, Charles, when you come to the end of yourself and you're even willing to be like, yo, let me just dive into this thing because what I've been trying to do ain't worked all these years. And all of a sudden, yo, like, wow. Like, you know, you're abstinent, you're going along, you don't feel better, you're taking these proposals. I mean, really taking it every single day. And like one day, man, it's like that guy, William James, that made that book over a period of time, right? Like this morning, I'm on my way to work. And I'm like, holy cow, like the emails coming in, the texts, people trying to do it themselves, people picking up over and over. I said, I identify. I try to do it myself. But when I express the willingness to give in, surrender, just don't resist the rest, and, and really surrender white flag to this beautiful program. Yo, the, the he- heaven opened up. It opened up. You know, I, I, I shared experience yesterday. My grandson, he's one of them cocky teenagers playing ball, and one of the one of the OGs pushed him and mushed him, and I could have been, I could have stepped to him, but God came into my life and said, you know what? He was a little drunk. Just wait till tomorrow and have a man-to-man conversation with him. If that ain't God, I don't know who is. I don't understand God. I just stand under God just for today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Janice. Thank you so much, Charles H. Okay, Vasa O, it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Janice, for your service. And I'm grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. I'm so grateful to be here with all of you. And uh, I did grow up with a fearful, punishing, judgmental, um, angry God. And I also grew up in a communist country where in the school we thought there's no God. So I projected my parents' behavior on God, and, uh, and I believed uh, my teachers. Um, there must not be God. And even my parents, my father questioned at times, is there really God there? So there was a lot of confusion in my life over the years. And uh, I'm so grateful that I was brought uh, into the program and, you know, with the food addiction. No, I was not grateful I was a food addict because that meant I had to put certain foods down. And how am I going to live for the rest of my life with those out, without having those foods? which was um, the, my allergy foods. And I had not known, I did not know it was um, uh, drug, food was drug. I didn't know it was, I was a food addict. Although I learned all that and when I came in the program. I knew I could not stop eating, you know, but I did not know why. You know, I struggled for 25 years of my life. And I, I had the gift of desperation. I was just so, so ready and to to surrender my sponsors of us. There's no any other way out of this. It's just to surrender and work the program, work the steps the way they're laid out. And I 
didn't like, I didn't like to say God at the beginning, you know, it was, it just, I it didn't feel comfortable at all because I didn't use God that much in my life, you know, I, and I, I'm not, God is too busy taking of other people's bigger problems or the wars or whatever out there in the world. I had a lot, a lot of mixed emotions and feelings and thoughts about God. But anyways, I was just so ready and willing. I had the willingness to surrender because I remember saying, you know, if I don't do this, I'm going to die anyways. So what's the use? I have nothing to lose. And my sponsor would say, well, yeah, you're going to lose your weight and you'll gain serenity and you're going to gain peace. Gain peace. And it was, I just wanted to lose the weight. I didn't, I, you know, I thought that was, that's all I needed to do, you know, and I'm so grateful I did put the food down right from the beginning. It terrified me when I heard it was, it was a disease, it was a drug, it was going to kill me if I didn't follow the instructions. And that's what I did. And I took the chance and I took the risk and I got on my knees and I surrendered. I said, God, if you're there, please help me. I put the food in your hands and I can't do this by myself. I was terrified to do that. I didn't know whether this God was going to strike me down or raise me. Well, I was raised, and I've been getting raised and washed and cleansed through the steps over the years. So, And thank you for letting me share that task. Well, thank you, Vasa O. Okay, Larry Kay, good morning to you. It's your turn. Hey, hey Janice, good morning, good morning. Um, can you hear me all right? I can. Okay, great. Uh, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. You know, um, what strikes me this morning is that that all my life, um, you know, self-sufficiency had, you know, I was taught had had great utility, had great, great value in my life. You know, um, I heard terms, words are important, and I heard things like, you know, you can accomplish anything if you set your mind to it. You know, we, we have advertisements that stick with us. Just do it. You know, th- this is what's drilled into us. And then we go about making our way in the world. And this is very contrary to a notion of surrender. Surrender is weakness. That was what I, that's how I, uh, how, how I understood the idea of uh, surrender. Surrender to, so I come to, I come into to these rooms and I hear, you know, uh, occasionally someone would talk about surrender. You know, that's why words matter. And, and, and when, when I heard, oh, my goodness, when I heard, take what you want and leave the rest. Oh, that was uh, that was like an Oreo cookie for me. All right. So I can hang out here and I could take what I want based on my own understanding. And, and I could I could sponsor myself. I could, uh, you know, if I, if I, this, this whole spirituality aspect, the God thing, I could, I could leave that. You know, self-sufficiency is a denomination that has no value in the context of this program. It, 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 surrender is the whole idea here. The idea of reducing one's ego is the whole idea here. And it's not for people to stand in judgment of you and reduce your ego. It's for you to be brought into an alignment with the higher power where you're no longer in charge. Because as long as I came to program and remained the master of my destiny, 
in charge, I would not have a spiritual awakening sufficient. That's a big word, sufficient. I might have good feelings surrounding, you know, being in the fellowship that feel like maybe, just maybe, that's kind of the spiritual awakening. It is not. It wasn't for me. I will not have a spiritual awakening sufficient to drive out this obsession. So it was about surrender, and that's, that's you know, it's the opposite of pride. It was the pride that kept, kept me. It was self-pride that kept me uh, trying to be the master of my destiny. I had to be open to the fact that I, was, that, I would, that I could surrender. I could turn my will and my life over to the care of a higher power. That was not me. It was a power greater than me. And thank God I did that. And everything has changed. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Hmm. And thank you, Larry Kay. Well, good morning to you, Monica T. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. When there, and here we are in the chapters, we agnostic, we without knowledge, Monica was missing something. When therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception, your own idea, your own thought, your own design of God. Then they go on, do not let any prejudice, any old ideas you may have against spiritual terms deter you, discourage you from honestly asking yourselves what they mean to you. And this is here that I take as a promise. At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth to affect our first conscious relation with God. So what I'm getting out of here is, Monica, just your willingness to believe, to set aside your old ideas about this. You know, how's your way working for you, Monica? Well, it wasn't, that's for sure. Are you willing to think something different? Try thinking a little outside the box. My way wasn't working, but these people had something that was working. And at the start, that's all I need. I'm willing if, to think about something different, just the fact that I am thinking it. Here is a starting point. You know, and it's very important that we have a starting point. And then, as soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically, another promise here, completely, strongly, forcefully assure him that he is on his way. They're telling me, you've started, Monica. Here's your beginning point, you know. I don't have to struggle with trying to get it all figured out, trying to understand it, get all my ducks in a row. I don't need that. I don't need to have faith. I don't need all that anywhere now at this moment. I just need to say yes to this question. Am I willing to believe that there's something that can help me? And there's my starting point. And I can go from there. Because, you know, the whole purpose of the big book is to get me to a contact with a higher power, with God, to get a relationship, to develop if I don't have one. And um, with that, I'll pass. And thank you so much, Monica T. Okay, continuing on page 47, paragraphs 1, 2, and 3. Who would like to share next? Is there anybody that would like to share next? Jan S. Jan S. Next. Anybody else? Greg S. Laura H. 
All right, let's have Greg F and Laura H. Is it Laura H? Yes. Okay. All right, Jan S. Please go ahead. Can you hear me, Jan? Good morning, a vision for you, family. This is Jan S from St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you so much for your service, and I'm grateful for everybody on the line. Uh, important, you know, important information here in this chapter for me because I, it, it wasn't going to happen for me unless um, somehow or other I fired the, the God that I had in my life. And, you know, at times that changed tremendously for me. I mean, there were lots of things I put in my life as my higher power and didn't even realize it until I started to, you know, grow spiritually in this program. Uh, food was definitely uh, one of my higher powers and probably the, the most strong. But there were other things. Um, my uh, dysfunctional little child within sometimes was my higher power. Um, different obsessions and you know, different things that I turn to, even in program, when the food was down, like shopping, that became my higher power. Um, misconduct in relationships became, you know, something I, that I was out there seeking. So it took a long time for me to come to terms with the word God and the meaning of God for me. It took me a very long time. I probably was in... Uh, probably about 10, 10 years, maybe maybe a little bit more. I mean, I was doing it on the outskirts, but I really wasn't processing it in my heart. And finally, I was able to, uh, God reached me through a book that I read, and um, my conception changed. I had a conception of a God that was not of mine. It was of my mom's, my mother's, and it was... Uh, she was very angry at God and the church. And so that's what I took on, you know. And then after she died, I was more angry. But this God in my life was so loving, so wonderful, so big, so all-encompassing. Um, and I just needed the willingness. And another great book um, was Came to Believe in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. That was another book that really helped me. And help me understand that I was not unique here and there were other people who struggled with a concept of a God of their understanding. But as long as I was willing to believe, that's all I had to do was be willing to believe and to know that this higher power was not me, it was not food, it was not anything I found on a shopping rack at, in a, at a store, it wasn't a, another human being, and it wasn't that little child within me who was screaming a lot of the time. It was none of those things. And after I put aside all of that, it was just such a blessing to understand that God does for me what I cannot do alone every day. God frees me from this obsession, and it is such a blessing. So I thank you all for sharing, and I pass. And thank you so much, Janice. Okay, Craig F., please go ahead. It's your turn. Great. Thanks. This is Craig F., recovered in Impulsive Eater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Am I unmuted? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Great. Thank you. Um, my uh, sponsor is um, constantly says that this program isn't for 
people that need it, and it isn't for people that want it. It's for people that would do it. And uh, I'm, um, I, I come back to this last sentence about uh, commencing on a simpler level. And, 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 and I kind of want to add to that, that this program isn't for people that have a logically uh, well thought out and consistent theology. You know, um, I, I don't have to, uh, I don't have to um, study the finer points of, of God, the finer points of uh, how this works. I, I, I have to work. And in other words, I have to do it. I have to commence with that simple childlike faith to say that, um, you know, there's a God and I'm not it, that uh, I cannot, and proven time and again that I cannot under my own power, regardless of what I uh, think, believe, or study, that I cannot stay uh, out of the food on my own power. Uh, I have to have a power greater than myself and once I've made that admission and once I've come to that acceptance to simply lay down all my uh, battle uh, tools and say uh, you know I I surrender and and the more complete my surrender uh, the more complete my recovery and uh, today I I am all in I I am to the best of my ability (laughs) I'm completely surrendered to that simple power greater than myself that can keep me abstinent when I can't. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Craig F. Uh, Just a gentle reminder to please stay muted, which is press star one. If you're not, Laura H., who's going to be speaking next. Laura, your turn. Hi, this is Laura H. Can I be heard? You can be heard. Is that your background? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Laura H. I'm a compulsive, well, I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater in Chicago. Um, I came into program three years ago. I'm relatively a newcomer. And I came in weighing over, I close to 350 pounds. I get, you know, I stopped weighing after a certain time. But, you know, I was... Truly, in my heart of hearts, I thought I was a believer. I went to church. I read the Bible. I loved God. This is what I thought. And, you know, it's interesting. We're in the we agnostic chapter. And, of course, if you look up agnostic in the dictionary, some synonyms are non-believer, doubter. Um, and that that struck me when I was on that second step with my sponsor that, you know, she, she, she asked me to tell me about, you know, who is your God? Describe him. And, you know, I really had a hard time with that. And what I really realized is I had this confusion. And I didn't know it. You know, you don't know until you don't know, you know, until you figure things out as you start to uncover through working the steps. But my God was tiny. And, and really, I believe that my HP was really modeled after an earthly parent of mine. And that earthly parent uh, did the best that they could, but they were certainly, um, I felt at times, you know, that their love was conditional. If I did this, if I was a good girl, if I only obeyed what they wanted me to do and become, then I'd be loved. And so I found myself at 350 pounds going, are you kidding me? 
this is you're telling me I'm not a believer. I, I you know, and it, it was a, an act of surrender. It was an act of letting go. It was an act of you know I can't do it anymore, and it was it truly was desperation, and um and I love in the paragraph where it says, do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself, and so you know then writing to my higher power in a two-way prayer has really uncovered a lot of truth for me. And, you know, there is a God and I'm not God, but he has changed my life. And for that, I am so grateful. With that, I pass. Well, thank you much, Laura H. Okay, we have um, uh, time for maybe two more, couple of minutes. Who would like to take it? Two people? Jen R. From Connecticut. Jen R. And somebody from Connecticut. Linda D. Linda D. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Jen R. Couple of minutes, it'll be great. Hi, everybody. This is Jen R. from um, Maryland. I just wanted to make a quick point that um, I realized rather recently that when I did step one, I was admitting that I had a power greater than myself, and that was the food. The food was greater than me. That's what step one was to me. And when I realized that, I didn't want the food to be greater than me. And the only way for the food to not have control over me is to have something greater than the food. And the only thing in my life that's greater than the food is my higher power. Not, not medical scares, not my husband's opinion, not um, how I feel, not, not how much pain I'm in. Nothing like that was convincing to me um, because the food had complete control over me. So I'm I'm very grateful today to be able to say that I'm a grateful compulsive overeater because if I was not a compulsive overeater, I never would have opened up to God and relied on him. And those are the only points I wanted to make. Thanks. I pass. And thank you much, Jen R. Okay, Linda D., you can wrap us up. Good morning. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. I am so thrilled and happy to be a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, My experience with a higher power, uh, God, um, is astounding Uh, because I came in as an atheist. I was raised to be very polite, and I would never say that, but that was the truth. Um, I was overeducated. I was raised in a very intellectual atmosphere at school, but I was 21, and my life was shattered. And um, when I was uh, 38, took a long time, I discovered Overeaters Anonymous. It's changed my life. It's healed my life. And it was a long journey of all the things you've heard from other people, the dieting with group support and all of that stuff. One of the most valuable things that I ever heard was seemingly by accident. I heard someone say to someone, I don't to this day know who they were, ask God to show you that God is real beyond a shadow of a doubt, and you can do it as often as you want. I mean, give it 10 minutes in between and or so, and uh, look for coincidences. And that simple act combined with the step work, all the tools, very great sponsorship, and something showed up. That 
blew my mind. I was astonished. I was sure I knew what was inside me. Because the big book at some point later, I think, says it's within. Well, it is. And I remember thinking, well, I would know if it was within because I live in here and there's nothing in here but junk and pain and agony. And I was dead wrong. And those steps got the glass out of the wound. And if I live in 10, 11, and 12, steps 10, 11, and 12, and use all of the steps, of course, then I'm astounded every day. I may not like what I have to do, but it always brings me to a higher level of, holy mackerel, this is immense. God is immense and beautiful, and I love God. Thank you. I pass. And thank you, Linda D., for wrapping us up. Okay. I want to thank everyone who has shared this morning. Um, this is today, which is Monday, May 29th. This is the share ID for today. It's 9987-9987. So please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Craig F. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Keep you until then. Craig. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The, answer, <clears throat> the answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless other, others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>